Chapter 8 I was led to a waiting car. Carly was inside, and as soon as the door closed, she jumped on me. Her lips parted mine as they touched, and I felt that old familiar sense of passion and the taste of strawberry. My phone rang. It was Frankie, of course. Hey, what's going on? Are you crazy? You will never get another job after the stunt. It's all over the place. Everyone is calling you the salesman Che Guevara or Karl Marx. You need to stop this right now. I am not stopping this, Frankie. I am tired of you always holding me down and making me feel as if I am your property. You don't own me. Are you fucking crazy? Yes, possibly, but this is a lifetime of caring whether people like me or not. I really don't give a shit anymore. You always belittle me and make me feel as if not everything is possible, when in fact, anything is possible. It's over between us then. I cannot live this life with you. Neither can the kids. Where are they? They are in the city watching you speak. You better not corrupt them more than you have already. She hung up. I smiled. They were watching me. Where are we headed to next? I asked Carly. Central Park. There are hundreds of people already there. And all cable news networks too. How was I? She jumped on me, opened her mouth on mine. I felt the softness of her tongue and the hardness of myself. She touched me and smiled. Calm down, fella. You need to keep all your energy. You did great. It's crazy. I saw a lot of guys from the industry there. They seemed like they were on the same page as me. Yes, that's because they are. You should have seen them agreeing with everything you said. Donnie from Kidzak kept up the chant, You don't own me, over and over. Then I saw Uncle Sammy work in the crowd like he does at the Vegas shows. It was great. I saw placards of your face in the Che Guevara picture. This is crazy. I never... Kiss me again. I love the way you taste and feel. She smiled and she opened her mouth to me threw her arms around me and felt that unfamiliar touch and feeling of being wanted. The car pulled over and it was madness. My door was open and I was let outside. We were outside the Dakota building and there were policemen on horses and a sea of men and women all chanting my name. Carly? But I couldn't find her as two men led me towards the entrance of the park. The TV news vans were all lined up with giant poles atop them. There were signs that read, We are not for sale and no one can own me. I also saw signs, Time for reparations and time for action. The two men pointed towards a trailer and told me to climb the ladder. Up there? I asked. Well, you were supposed to just stand on the Imagine Circle and speak, but no one realized you were as big as the Beatles themselves. He said with a hint of humor and annoyance. I walked into the trailer and the door was closed behind me. A stepping stool was set up below the window on the ceiling, which was open. Are you ready? Someone asked me. Yeah. Where is your speech? In my heart, I responded. I felt like Elvis as I pulled myself up and exited the trailer. A man up there clipped a microphone onto my shirt and gave me a bottle of water and pointed towards the crowd. Wow, I said. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. My father died when I was six years old, and I was raised by my mother. My father left a very successful wholesale business behind with my uncle and my brothers as beneficiaries. 
I, on the other hand, was considered an aberration, a twist of fate or conceived in a moment of passion. I was reminded on a daily basis that I was loved but not liked at all, so I tried harder and harder to be liked. Love was assumed, like was earned. So began my lifetime of wanting to be liked, accepted. I walked the streets and sold my goods, sold my smile and sold my soul. I had my Robert Johnson moment and sold my soul to the devil in the three-piece suit, toupee, and fake suntan. I sold my soul to the devil who wore short-cut dresses with plastic cleavages, plastic skin, and dyed hair. I sold and sold, all for a pinch of pennies and some dollar bills. I sold out time and again. I was owned. Silence among the salesmen in front of me. I could sense the remorse and the sighs and the empty stares. I traveled 52 weeks out of the year, year after year. Charlotte, Bentonville, Greensboro, Houston, Las Vegas, Detroit, Minneapolis, Shithole Town, USA, and I was owned. Long pause. I slept in Motel 6s, Holiday Expresses, Airport Inns, Econologies, and even on the airport floors. Home was a foreign destination with strangers who acted as if they knew me, but truly only wanted me for whatever I could give to them. At home was a woman who called herself my wife. At home were the children we had brought into the world. Children who called me daddy but never would like me because they rarely saw me. In my clumsy attempt to be someone to be loved, I had forgotten my own self-worth. I paused to take a sip of water and a deep breath. I was held captive by the pliers of what the world considered responsibility as if responsibility is defined by the sacrifice of happiness to pay the bills. I was owned, and in the process, I had abandoned the group of people I had counted on to love, like, and respect me unconditionally, my wife and my children. The love from, acceptance from, appreciation from my own family was non-existent. There was no love, just an ATM machine with limited withdrawals. It was my own doing. I had neglected them in order to provide for them while building up myself. At home, at work, I was owned, yet unwanted. I walked across the trailer and pointed towards the throngs of people who had gathered. I would come back to the office with tales of conquering on the road only to be treated as an ATM machine for the bosses to use for their personal gain. Have you felt that defeat after conquering the road? I heard several years broke into a chorus of owned, owned, owned. I put up my hand to silence the chant. Not owned, not anymore. Now it's owned no more. I have worked for several companies in my life I was promised compensation and rewards only to remain in cubicle hell. Have you been there? Loud roars of yes. Promise number one. Commissions were to rise once we saw the sales. The sales came in, but the commissions were lowered because the ownership spent too much on the products and sold them for way too little. Promotions were promised only to be given to a son of a friend of the owner. So, quit if you don't like it, I was told. 
But quitting is not the answer when you have mouths to feed, mortgages, and bills to pay. So you keep on swinging for the fences, coming in early, and you do what you can for the others who are working with you because that is who you are. You are responsible, courteous, and a good fucking teammate. A loud roar and then chants of own no more, own no more, own no more, owned no more. I raise my arms to silence the crowd. There are some people saying I am calling for socialism, communism, or whateverism. That is not what I am calling for. I am calling for accountability. We are told to be killers, to take the buyers and fill them with wines, roses, and whatever else it takes to make the deal. Even if the deal is a shitty one, make them take it. If they lose their job, that is not your problem. Making the sale, no matter what, lie, cheat, steal, and fuck, whatever it takes. The world celebrates Lenin's song, Imagine, as one of the best songs ever written. That is a socialist prayer, possibly inspired by the feeling of a working-class hero where he sings, There's room at the top, they are telling you still, but first you must learn how to smile as you kill. There was silence. So I go on, so I go on an interview, and I sit on as the interviewer is reading his phone messages, looking around and barely making eye contact. Questions are asked of me, and I try and say whatever it will take to be liked. Are you a closer or just a smiler? Are you a prowler or a killer? I have been asked. To get the job, I would answer, I am a killer. Out loud, defiance. Inside, painfully, I wanted to say, I'm a builder. But I know that is not what they are looking for, so I confess to a lie they want to hear. Oh, no more. Oh, no more. I looked around and noticed the police scattered among the crowd, and I was given the thumbs up by more than one of them. With that, I raised my arms, and I went back in the trailer. Carly was there waiting for me, and she jumped on me. You were amazing. Her mouth pushed against mine, her tongue sweet and soft commanded my attention and I found myself slowly being owned by her and the attention and the power that I suddenly had someone knocked on the wall of the trailer and opened the door if you want to leave you got to leave now I nodded okay okay he pointed towards the back door that way is best I started to go towards the back door when I realized something no I will leave through the front door I will not be imprisoned by this Suit yourself, buddy. He turned around and opened the door. There was a crowd waiting for me. Some friends, other salespeople, the press, and some lawyers who wanted to represent me. Oi, I said out loud. I told you, the cop said with a laugh. 